Welcome to Hacking the Hustle. This is your host, Benjamin Sklar, and I'm really excited to have on the show today, Christine Moorhead. Hi, Christine. How are you doing? Hey, Benjamin. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time. Of course. So a little background on Christine. Christine is the managing partner of a real estate investment company called MO2 Investments, and she's also involved in various other industries. So I'm really excited to have her on the podcast today. So let's kick it off, Christine. How you doing? Where are you in the world? And tell us your story. Yeah, good question. So I am currently in Gulfport, Mississippi, but we're actually going to be moving to uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia in March timeframe. So a little bit about me though and my background. Um, I'm Christine Moorhead. I'm a Naval Academy graduate and a Marine Corps, a former Marine Corps logistics officer. Uh, while in the Marine Corps, I was I received combat experience in Afghanistan, and I managed a company of of men, assets, and equipment, all valued over twenty five million. And I also received my MBA while deployed. And then after I got out of the Marine Corps in twenty seventeen, I founded Mo Two Investments with my husband. So MO2 Investments is a real estate investment firm, um, like Benjamin was saying. We look for apartment complexes throughout the Southeast region to just offer to our network of investors. And in addition to multifamily, we're always looking for creative commercial real estate solutions to just solve business problems. So one of my partners approached me about growth space. And growth space is an innovative fund and a market leader in the indoor farming industry. So what we're doing is we're taking an existing commercial real estate property and converting it into an indoor farming facility utilizing patent technologies. So that's a little bit about what we're doing with MR2 Investments in the multifamily realm and what we're doing also with my uh, new partnership with Burnspace. Very exciting. I'm curious what turned you on to real estate investing? and starting your own commercial real estate company? Yeah, for sure. So we started with real estate in 2012. I was buying um, single family homes. The, the military gives you what's called like a VA loan. So you can purchase a property with no money down. And then I started renting out my properties because I got moved to a couple of different duty stations. So I started renting out my properties and I was like, oh, wow we can do this and have people pay for our entire mortgage. So in 2017, we bought a quad and we were living in one unit. My husband and I were living in one unit and we rented out the other three units and that completely paid for our mortgage plus. So we started immediately looking at how we can go bigger than four units, you know, and trying to see how we can get passive income because our goal is to be able to retire and still have passive income coming in towards us, towards, yeah, to us. Really exciting. And so now, tell us what kind of assets are you looking for? What kind of properties and what markets are you in? Yeah, good question. So we are currently in the Southeast market. We look for apartment complexes, 20 plus units or bigger. Uh, right now, we are probably going to get under contract here pretty shortly with a property that's 150 plus units in Mobile, Alabama. So we expect to see that coming down the pipeline pretty shortly. We're super excited about this property. The returns look amazing for this property, just like any of our properties. 
But yeah, for the most part, just 20 plus units or bigger. Um, yeah, depending on how big the property is, is how many partners will have to bring in on the deal with us. So it, yeah, depending on the deal, um, deal size and uh, the structure is you know, what partners will bring on. And then we look for, yeah, those apartment complexes throughout the Southeast region is the markets that we're currently targeting. Very cool. And tell me about the other company that you mentioned, Urban Farming. What kind of products are you growing? Good question. So grow space. Yeah, it's we're taking an existing commercial real estate warehouse and we're converting that into an indoor farming facility using our my partner's patented technology. So it's a pretty a pretty complex um, building that we're trying to build with data driven technology. So the that one will be built um, first out of Portland, Oregon. So the consumers in Portland are those leafy green consumers. So those are the types of products that we're trying to put into this indoor farming facility that the tenants will be growing. So we'll have, right now we have uh, four different tenants that we're, we're looking at. And yeah, they're all doing those leafy grains. We're putting the um, facility exactly where the market is for it. So that's going to be important where we have those leafy consumers. Does that make sense? Yeah, so I, I missed that. Are you going to be growing like tomatoes or cannabis? No, they're going to be leafy greens. So it's going to be, yeah, like lettuce, tomatoes, your veggies, all your green foods. Um, it's already been done in the cannabis market. We've done this already with cannabis in Oregon. We're looking to expand from that market into more of the, uh, the leafy greens, the produce, um, veggies, because that's where we can affect the most, um, affect the most, where we can eliminate the most waste. Mm -hmm. And why would a owner of a property, let's say I own a warehouse in Oregon, why would I want to convert it from me having tenants who pay me rent to me now having a tenant who pays me rent, but their product is, they're, they're running a business. I guess the question is, are you going to be paying the same type of rents to the property owners that they would be before you took over as a new tenant? The warehouses we're finding are those empty warehouses. So they don't have any tenants currently. So we're looking for those undervalued, underutilized warehouses. There's a lot of those going around because of COVID and they're underpriced right now. So it's the prime market to get into um, with warehouses and trying to find how we can increase their income by getting tenants that are paying tenants. We'll be making at least 150,000 per month for our from our tenants. Um, once we've constructed the building and renovated it, um, that's what we'll be getting an income. So we're, we'll be taking an underperforming asset and turning it into a cash flow asset. $150,000 a month in monthly income. Sounds like a lot of money for a food distributor. But, so how big are these warehouses? They must be large. 200,000 square feet. So very large. And tell me about this uh, proprietary technology of your partner. Tell us about yeah, it. Yeah, sure. So what he's done, it's uh, data-driven technology. So what he's done is that he takes all the information that you could gather from any, anything from electricity, water, your pH levels, um, the nutrients in the soil, 
He takes it, all of this information and you put it on a dashboard so that you can see exactly where you are eliminating all of the waste or where, the, where there's waste so you can eliminate waste in those areas. So for example, hey, look, electricity is coming out here so we want to be able to recycle our electricity, recycle water, recycle the pH, the uh, recycle of nutrients, right? So if there's waste in any one aspect, you can tweak your, your product so that there is no waste. Um, also a great benefit with this is there's no pesticides as well. Um, so that's like the, the great thing about this is just, um, it's, it's data-driven technology. So we're completely eliminating waste um, and doing a huge reduction in your electricity and in your water bill that you would have to pay. Very exciting. So what kind of challenges are you facing trying to build these two different businesses? Right now, we are trying to face the hurdle of raising money for this, pro for this project. So we are trying to build the first facility and then 12 more right after it. So we've already um, gotten the plans built for how the building is going to look. We've got in all the contractors lined up. Um, tenants are coming in as well. So now the only thing left is to find the money in order for us to purchase the property, renovate it, put in our technology, and then get the tenants to lease up the property. Interesting. Okay. So if anyone's listening and is interested in, and learning more about this, where should they go? Yeah, they can go to my website, mo2investments.com, www.m as in Mike, O as in Oscar, and the number two, investments.com. Mm -hmm. And then you can just contact me. It has, uh, I just wrote a blog on GrowSpace, so you will see on our homepage a blog that has more information about our, our latest fund. And then... On the very bottom is my contact information. It has my email address, my cell phone number. Um, my cell phone number, though, for the list is 757-869-8785. Feel free to contact me anytime. And then my email is the Christine, um, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, at mo2investments.com. All of this is also on our website. Got it. So, Christine, what is the unique angle that you have in the market, what do you see as the opportunity that you think other people are missing? Hmm, the unique angle um, in terms of for investors or yeah, for no, our... You as an entrepreneur, what are, what are you doing that you think is special? What, what do you feel like is unique about what you're building? For grow space, what's extremely unique is this has never been done in the indoor farming market. Um, it's been done with cannabis, but it hasn't been done with traditional farming methods. So I'm extremely excited to see the way that we're bringing our product is completely different from any of our competitors. Um, so we completely eliminate waste by recycling electricity, recycling water. Our big competitors are having to pay triple the cost of what it's going to cost us to build this facility and this warehouse, just utilizing, being able to utilize our patented Interesting. How do, how do you feel like your background in the military plays a role in your, in your career as a businesswoman? Good question. I think that it definitely helps me to stay driven because as an entrepreneur, 
as you probably know, you know, you kind of make your own business hours and you have to motivate yourself in order to get on calls and do everything. So I think the military definitely drives you towards a goal. And once you've set a goal, there's really nothing except you to accomplish it. So um, I think that's the biggest thing that the military has really given me is just the uh, desire and the drive to be able to just complete my goals that I've set out for ourselves and for, for me and my husband this year, which are pretty lofty goals that we've set for ourselves. But I have, uh, I have no doubt that we'll not just even get to our goals, but exceed them. Love it. So let's change topics. I want to let's do a fire round where I ask you questions and you give me answers. What? <laughs> All right. What? Uh, what's your go-to podcasts right now? Oh, go-to podcasts. Um, I've been listening to the RE Mentor podcast. So with Dave Lindall, um, we're one of their students with them. So they have um, they have some good podcasts that we've been listening to in terms of multifamily investing. Interesting. Okay. What's it called again? Um, it's, uh, it's with RM Mentor. I have to look it up again. It's, uh, oh, you'll let me know. Multifamily oh. deal lab. Yeah. Okay. Multifamily deal lab. Good to know. What is your favorite business book? Ooh, that's kind of difficult. Um, there's quite a few. And it just depends on what kind of topic you're looking for, <laughs> right? Um, hmm. I don't know if we can really narrow it down to one. Um, uh, let's see. Just give me anything. Well, a better question. What do you want to talk about on a podcast? Not, not only Maya, but for the future. What do you see is how could podcasts help you and your business grow? How can podcasts help me and my business grow? By yeah. getting your name out there, of course, being able to network with other people that you haven't been able to reach before. So, you know, some people may not have time um, to just get on a call. So instead, whenever you're, you're, if you're listening to a podcast and you're on your way to work and you're just listening to something, I think that can at least bring you, um, you can network with different people in that aspect. I'm curious to learn about, I, I, I feel like I'm all over the place on this podcast, but so good. I'm curious to learn about your experience as a commander, as a woman commanding men in Afghanistan. How, okay. what, what about what, it? What was that like? I, I, I'm a veteran. I served in the Israeli military in the paratroopers. <laughs> and I can't imagine what it would have been like for me and my like 20 guys to be commanded by a woman. That would have been an amazing experience. Very unique. So I would like to hear about it from your point of view. What, 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 um, what would you like to share? From my time in Afghanistan, I think um, very stressful time. Um, at the time, what we were doing is we were leading convoys out and we were retrograding bases in Afghanistan. So I think it was extremely um, demanding and very highly stressful environment like i'm sure you probably know in time you're deployed it's a pretty highly stressful environment um in terms of me being a woman and leading a, a platoon of men um and being in charge of other people i don't really think it's really too much different than a man 
uh, leading, so I don't, I didn't, I didn't really see too much difference there. Um, I think, yeah, you you get your respect from your Marines um, way before you deploy. So you do a lot of pre-deployment training with your Marines way before we even end up in Afghanistan. So we had already established core established relationships all leading up during our pre-deployment cycle. So we went out to California in order to do all of our pre-deployment training and we did really well down there. Um, we received one of the highest, some of the highest scores that are, you know, have ever been seen from our team before we went to Afghanistan. So I think just having that time and being able to have rapport with my Marines before even deploying definitely, um, you know, helps a lot. <laughs> wow. You definitely are an inspiration for many women out there who oh, didn't get in the military. So before I let you go, my last signature question is, yeah. if there was one thing you could do to improve this world, what would you do and why? One thing to improve the world. Um, I think one thing that we're going to try to do to improve the world more is just being able to give back more of our time and our money to those that need it. So my, my parents both came from third world countries. My dad's from the Philippines, my mom was from El Salvador. Um, and we both came, they all came to the United States and they've made a great living for us and for them. So I think giving back to um, different charities is extremely important, along with giving our time and our, and our, and our money, um, because that really just shows what kind of person you are. And so I think that's extremely important, and that's one of our, our major core values when we're looking at, um, you know, whenever we get back money, whenever we do any kind of syndications, um, we're always looking for different opportunities where we can reach out and help other people. Amazing. It was such an honor to have you on the podcast today. You're an amazing person, a great inspiration, and I look forward to helping you, getting involved with you, and following you for the years ahead. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time. Of course, Christine. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right.